how do you do it? Do you pre-record and then? I'll answer your question right now, Michael, uh, and welcome it as I welcome my audience. How do I do it? Yeah, I pre-record. I don't do anything live. When I have a guest, I usually, you know, Howard Stern, who I love. Do you listen to Howard at all? Um, I have before. I'm not right. Uh, I, I'm. A, I, I got into him in 2013. He likes to uh, establish, set the tone before he brings his guest on. You know, he'll even if he has a really important guest, he won't just like he'll make them wait. Basically, you know, yeah. He'll, he'll set his show up. I I'm not at that point yet where I feel comfortable or that it's worth doing that. So when I have a guest, I usually just say, Hey, you know, this is Michael. How you doing? I thought to myself today, Oh, maybe I should like talk for a minute or two before I directly bring you in. But no, how do I do it? It's not been live yet. There's no video yet. I've been moving around and I haven't really set up a great video shot yet. So I'm working on that, but not prioritizing it because I'm currently studying for the bar exam. So I'm just happy to keep this going weekly. Uh, and I am looking forward to uh, a not too distant uh, day in the future where I where I put more work into it. So, but it's just I'm just happy to get the interview, man. You know, any interview. Yeah, well, I'm so, glad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, no, yeah, it's good. It's a clean start. You're not uh, trying to get you on this stuff to go and you know facing yourself with a new project at times. Yeah, you got to keep it real, right? I mean, it's, you know, dream big, and it is a big dream, but it's a passion project, and uh, I know kind of where I'm at with it. So I am really pleased to have you, Michael, because this is a really interesting two-page platform about your presidential run. So it's it's really interesting, genuinely. So this I know this is going to be fascinating. Gosh, I almost, where to begin? I almost want to start with- Right, it's hard. No, I, I know where I want to start. I want to start with a with the question that a lot of people are having fun with, especially right now. But it does relate to your platform because I'm looking at this two pager, and if the audience can see it, it's just really. Did you write this by the way yourself, or did you have help with it? I assume you wrote it. Um, everything that I have, I've done by myself. And yeah. please pardon the uh, the the typos and everything. No, uh, no, I never. I didn't notice any typos. It's really well done. It's really substantive you could tell you have a coherent strong view and it's about it it, well we're going to get to all of it but to preview it it's all about you know it's libertarian but it's also utopian so it's more it's way more than libertarian and it's and it's concrete and you say the the magic the secret sauce to getting us to a utopian society is industrial hemp um you know hold on let me can you say that question one more time? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Basically, industrial hemp is, is a huge factor in the future of our civilization, in your opinion, right? I mean, absolutely it is. And if we really got into it, because the U.S. had banned industrial hemp in I think, 1937, something like that. But uh, it's a crop of just absolute abundance and versatility. There's nothing that we can't do with it. And that was back then. We had 50,000 uses for the crop. With our technology today, there's, you know, absolutely nothing that we can't do. And um, that's, it's mostly, you know, it's not just about that it's a crop of uh, abundance and versatility. It's also that it's a bio refinery in itself. The plant filters all the water that it uses. It uh, removes 1.63 tons of carbon from the air for every ton that you grow. It grows, you know, 22 feet tall. 
It produces over 10,000 uh, pounds of biomass per acre. Um, it's just it's really a miracle crop. And it can solve probably, you know, almost 60% of the problems that we have today. Yeah, you talk about 3D printing. We're going to do lightweight structures 10 times stronger than steel, making any shape of any size from mechanical parts and flying vehicles to space age green cities, floating in subterranean cities, off planet establishments. Um, okay, this is, and there's a lot to yeah. get to. There's a lot more than Let that. Me... Hold on, there's a lot more than that. There's a, it's a, this is really interesting. Let me ask you one question before we get into all of this. Go ahead. Aliens. Here or no? Um, you know, I'm a full spectrum person, and I believe in a universe of infinite possibilities. So absolutely, if we can imagine it, it probably exists in some form or fashion, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to no extent. Right. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I was talking to my dad the other day for a Father's Day lunch. And I was just like, I sounded like a crazy person. I said, man, I think Eisenhower really had that meeting, you know? And, yeah. Uh, or yeah, Eisenhower. Is it Eisenhower or Truman? Maybe it was um, Truman. I'm not sure. But anyway. Um, I, um, I, mean, yeah. a, I think it was Truman. Yeah, I think it was Truman. You talk about flying vehicles and space age green cities. It just really tied into my recent obsession with this alien question about what could be underground and and such so th there's, there's a question of where we could jump into this i guess we could go back into the hemp and all of its uses can you tell me about why you think hemp is going to be used to make flying vehicles and space age green cities and maybe what is a space age green city well the um uh, once again the key to the hemp is its abundance uh, is that we can grow so much of it so fast and then also that doing that in turn heals the environment uh, we can also replace every plastic with uh you know hemp bioplastics or you know any type of bioplastics really it doesn't have to be hemp <clears throat> but as uh as far as it goes if we look back at uh henry ford one of his first cars was made out of hemp uh, the body panels were made out of hemp, and it ran off of hemp ethanol. And uh, the way that they advertised this car was uh, they would go around and do demonstrations and bounce an eight-pound sledgehammer off the fenders of this car, and it wouldn't even leave a dent. It would just bounce a, a sledgehammer right off of it. Uh, and so not too long after that is when hemp was made uh, was banned in the United States. But hemp was, is a big threat to almost every industry. Um, once again, it's a threat to, to big oil because we can produce energy with it and we can also replace every plastic with it. It's a threat to the paper industry because it produces paper at 600 times the rate that trees do. And the same with building materials because we get majority of our building materials from, from white pine. Uh but we could be producing building materials at 600 times the rate that we are using hemp rather than, uh, rather than trees. And that's because you get four times the pulp fiber uh, per acre from hemp than from trees. And it also takes anywhere from 15 to 50 years to grow the trees. And it only takes about three to four months to grow an acre of hemp. So you can harvest hemp, you know, three to four times a year, depending on which zone you're in. And, uh, you know, you can only harvest the acre of trees, you know, uh, 
three or four times every hundred years. Mm. Wow. So would it just be vested business interests, in your opinion, that are preventing this hemp revolution from unfolding? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the whole term, don't Humphrey Bogart, the doobie or whatever they say, the Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart, he didn't smoke marijuana. He was the he was the big paper baron that used his money and influence to make hemp illegal so that he could continue running the, uh, you know, the, the white pine uh, racket. Wait, the so, actor? I, uh, no, I don't think he was an actor, was he? I don't want to get my facts wrong here. No worries. I, a, I didn't quite follow, but I, I know Humphrey Bogart was an actor or something, I think. No, I, I don't think he was an actor. He was, the, he was a paper baron. He was a, oh, a, a U.S. paper baron. So oh. he, he made all his money off of paper, which is coming from the trees. But once again, like I said, hemp would put that whole thing out of business. But, you know, it wasn't just about the trees. It's about, you know, the, the equipment and the time and all this other stuff that it takes to harvest the trees. So if we're doing, if we're harvesting trees, that's also a big plus for, for big oil and the big steel and, and uh, who was it? Uh, JP Morgan is the one who bought out all the steel in uh, the big steel refineries in the United States. So pretty much when they go and they mine all this ore out of the land, they take all of that and however much they can possibly take, they take it all for free. They don't pay anything for that. They'll pay for a lease on the land, which doesn't matter because they get tax subsidies to run their operations in any way. So it's basically just like a little, uh, back and forth exchange doesn't mean anything it's just a show for the people uh so then and it's just like this with all the oil and everything else uh when shell or exxon get a lease to go drill out in the atlantic or anywhere in our international or in, in our territories there's no meter on that they pay one little dime which is really just like i said it's just a uh, just a little show. show for the people it doesn't mean anything they're going to get more than that back in tax subsidies you know, it makes that look like a drop in the bucket. Um, so, and then that's the whole thing. Then they lobby with all their money to get uh, uh, all our tax dollars for tax subsidies. So at this point, you got people like uh, uh, Big Oil is getting tax subsidies to run their operation. Then they put a hole in the ground with the money that we gave them from those taxes. And they pump as much of the wealth out of the ground as they want. And then they sell that. Right now, they're selling oil to the UN because they've, you know, uh, cut off Russia from selling their oil to the European market or whatever. And and if you look at that big scope thing, and I'm not trying to jump down the conspiracy uh, theory hole. No, feel free. This is a podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, to. it's it's just look how it plays out. Look how it played out. You know, they started all this controversy, spent a bunch of money on the war machine. And then who really won out is BP or is Shell and Exxon? Because now all the wealth that they're stealing from our land they're getting to sell to an entire other, you know, network of, of nation. So, right. mm. and, and that's astronomical wealth. That is something that might have been in works for the last 100, 150, 200 years to make what just happened happen so that the people who are taking all the resources from the United States can sell it and make all that money over there. Mm. And they cut the other countries out of the market. Mm. Uh Cause that's what it's really all about. And that's what my campaign is about. Because we're t- I, I've taken everything that everybody's worried about and just put it all aside. 
because obviously if there's headlines everywhere, like that's what they want us to see. So I just pushed all of that crap aside. You know what I mean? Just kind of yes, you did. The, Absolutely. The that's why I said. That's and, why I said your stuff is so, your. It's just a two pager, but it's substantive. I use that word because exactly right. You, you completely ignored all the distractors and put forth an yeah. affirmative. It's an affirmative plan. Uh, and that's, that, that's yeah. exactly right. That's what any affirmative plan is. And this is one. And so one of the things it's built on is um, hemp. And so we've already spoken about that. So, well, you know what? Let me just let me glaze over that real quick because I didn't really get into it. Because OK, we really yeah, go ahead. To talk about was the more uh, like uh, because what we wanted to talk about is not the hemp and the abundance and, you know, uh, and that would heal the economy and the supply line and also be healing nature just by growing it and using it as we have always in the past. Now, what I'm talking about doing with it is using it to create a materials science and construction revolution. We're going to change the way that we build completely. And I'm, I'm uh, very passionate about that because I've been in construction my entire life and I hate how we build, how we build. Essentially all we have are, sophisticated systems of sticks and rocks and it's the same thing that cavemen built with that's the same thing we're doing and it's really not that much more fancy except for our fasteners and things like that so what's the deficiency there or in other words what's the benefit to be gained by going to all hemp structures okay so now we're talking about printing solid structures uh and if we're doing this material science uh revolution We'll be able to create, you know, several to dozens of different grades of this fibrous uh, hemp resins. And there's also things that you can do to make the mixture uh, photovoltaic, like ag adding uh, a, a granite powder and things like that. So, uh, but we'll have to get in the lab and make this stuff happen, but it's all absolutely possible. Um, so we can be 3D printing structures of any size and shape possibly imagine and when we're doing that we'd be using artificial intelligence to design specific structures along the coastlines that will just you know just mm -hmm. buckle down under the wind and you'll never have another structure blow apart from a hurricane after that also mm -hmm. uh these are going to be solid so they're completely self-insulated we uh are going to cut down the expense on cooling uh homes and structures dramatically also, there's not these wall cavities where pests and rot and mold and all these other things occur. So these structures are going to last hundreds of years where the things, the structures that we build right now are barely lasting decades. So it's just all around going to be completely beneficial to, to what we're doing and the way we're doing it. And let's say like they had that I-95 bridge collapse over there, right? Mm -hmm. if, we were, if we were already 3D printing with the fibrous hemp resins, we could have, you know, measured and printed out the beams and platforms for that thing in the amount of time that it takes them to clean it. By the time they clean it, you know, the cranes are pretty much already in place, would be coming in and just lowering the structural members in place. And that thing would be done, at, you know, pretty much, mm. uh, you know, in a week or so. No problem. Um, but the the potentials are, are really unlimited. And... Um, that's the bigger part about the hemp. It's not just the healing, the environment and the economy. It would be the material science and construction revolution. Well, and just, like you're yeah, talking, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please okay. continue. So where that, 
where that topic grounds out without getting, you know, all the way off into the details is that um, we'd be creating, we'd be able to print any structure, any size and shape we can, we can think of. So you can imagine just like they build big ships in those shipyards and then they roll them off into the bay. We'd be printing up a huge base for a floating city and then just put it out into the bay and then it'd be floating there and you'd still have the little uh, machine printers going around it, just printing. And uh, since it mm. could fuse, you know, uh, any portion of the structure into the existing portion of the structure, they can really just build any shape, uh, you know, and size we can imagine. And then using AI, and there's another thing that they're using right now uh, to mimic the structures of uh, termite towers over in Africa, because the way that they're shaped on the inside, it creates this, uh, you know, airflow or a natural air conditioning uh, for the bugs and the termite towers. Um, so they're trying to mimic that into our uh, into our, our architecture to produce natural, you know, phenomenon like that. But we'd be able to do, do that in a snap with this 3D printing technology and uh, in AI. I mean, it'd be all downhill from there. Uh, if you really want to get into it, I would suggest some, anybody look at the, the Venus Project because basically, basically what I did was just look at where we're at and where we want to be, which I assume, you know, the majority of people want to be in a Star Trek-like existence. And how do we get from here to there? And that's what my plan is. It's basically just takes us from where we are now to that the Venus Project or a Star Trek-like existence. But, yeah, and let I'll, me finish I'll, all of that. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let me Continue, yeah. So we got the floating cities. Like I said, we'll just uh, put those little bases out to float and we'll be printing right on top of them and create these... Uh, uh, entire cities uh, we'd also take advantage of uh, making subterranean structures we don't have any subterranean cities in our in our country at all uh, we should have dozens of them and uh, that's one thing that I want to focus on the subterranean cities and the floating cities and also incorporating uh, aquaponic uh, gardening into our infrastructure deals so that we begin to create uh, what would be a national fire escape plan to save as many people in the, you know, in the event of some type of apocalyptic scenario, a giant asteroid or volcano or anything like that. But just so that we have that capability and we're beginning to build towards a point where we can potentially save everyone. Uh, of course, that wouldn't happen overnight, but it's, and, and a lot of people want to dismiss it as a pipe dream. But the one thing I want to say about that is look around there's a whole lot of pipelines on this planet. So I don't think pipe dreams are a problem at all. And two, it has to start somewhere. You know, we can't just keep dismissing it as, oh, that's too far-fetched. I'm like, no, we're going to be there when it's going to be on our doorstep. And if we don't prepare for it now, uh, well, you know, we're, we're going to get our, our butts handed to us. So it has sure. to be on the table. We have to be talking about this. So your optimism is is amazing. And there's so many more parts of your platform to get to just to like – let the audience know it's not just this. If you thought it was healing the economy and and all the other things that the hemp revolution will provide us that you just listed, there's more. But where does your optimism come from? What's your political background? Um, I'm politically homeless for life. Um, I grew up in a very non-traditional uh, upbringing or background. And, you know, what I don't, was non-traditional about it? Everything. I don't adhere to the false propriety because that's what it is. 
And it seems like something that's more of a, a disease in our country and in our culture than it is anything that saves us any grace. Uh, our division, you mean? Uh, the false propriety. I'm, I wasn't even getting into the division at that point. What do you mean by false propriety? About, I'm talking about false propriety. I'm talking about how everybody walks around acting a certain way. But what they really can't wait to do is to get home, to be around their closest circle of friends or family and start acting like the clowns that they really are. Right. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. all just a bunch of kids. The whole growing up thing is a myth. And I don't even teach that to my children. I'm like, no, growing up is a myth. You don't you never grow up. You just learn to act better, you know, I like that and do better. I like that. Um, but but that's the whole thing, this false propriety. And I have a personal grudge against it because that's where I came from. You know, my parents both both sets of my grandparents had uh disowned both of my parents before i was even born so uh Hmm. by default they also disowned me and all my brothers so i never knew any of my family and these are you know you know pillars of the community christian people and our family was shattered before it even started as far as i'm concerned because uh you know they didn't accept whatever my parents were doing and i don't even really know what all that was um, but once again, it didn't have anything to do with us. It happened all before we were born mm. and our lives were made to suffer because of it. And does that sound like something that's, does it sound Christian? No. Does it sound logical? No. Uh, did any good come from it? No. Mm. Um, so anyway, our family was broken before it even started. And I see more of this happening, you know, and then unfortunately my parents did have some problems and, um, my, uh, you know, we don't have to get into it because I'm not trying to bring any disrespect on anybody. But uh, anyway, so I grew up in a single mother home uh, and uh, it, it wasn't the, the greatest experience. But I'll tell you, it wasn't the worst experience either. Mm. And I don't like to get too off into my misfortune because uh, the one thing that always kept me going no matter what happened was that I did know that there's always somebody out there who's got it worse, you know, in Absolutely. potentially much, much Absolutely. worse. Right. For bet yeah, and and it's a sobering and you know, it's not always comforting, but some it is sobering and so it's it's something to really ground you. And we've all had our our share of uh misfortune. I appreciate absolutely giving me that context. It's always good to get a little context. But here you are at how old are you now, my friend? Uh forty two. At forty two, it takes a back to the affirmative plan. It's it's always interesting for someone to put up because <clears throat> even politicians not that they're so great, but these leaders, they'll spend the whole life in politics and they don't put it, they don't have a plan. So here you yeah, are. Yeah, but Biden's been in there for 40 years and yeah. he didn't. Did you like Trump? No, I don't like anybody. Let me make right. that very clear. There's not right. a single politician alive that I'm going to stand up and be like, hey, this is the one. None of them have demonstrated uh, a proficiency in what we require as a species and as a mm. country. Bernie, what about people. Bernie? Bernie, you know, I was kind of a Bernie bro uh, way back when, I guess. Pretty, I, you know, I never really did plant my feet politically, but it was right. kind of I was humoring but Bernie. But he I was, was close. He, he spoke to you maybe the most out of all of them. Yeah, probably the most. But then I'm still like, I don't know. There's things just don't add up uh, for me. But it, and you know, and that's just my personal take. You know, everybody's welcome to feel free, you know, feel the way they feel. And just my personal take is none of them have specifically resonated with my heart in a fashion that makes me confident that our world and 
uh, is heading in the direction that it should be. So you're, you're a dreamer, as as but a, but a, but a, but a very practical one. And you, and so, so you'd like to see things really change um, in a big way for, for people. I mean, absolutely. What are we doing here? Um, and I don't know, you know, I always play the, I always do these, uh, you know, these mental exercises or whatever, these thought exercises. And one of my favorite ones is like, is what's the end game. So take any scenario or anything you want to talk about and just think about the longest term run that you can possibly think of with what they're doing. Like what, what's going to be the longest term outcome. And just as a human species, as the human race, whatever, um, it's like, what, how far would we go? What would we do if we just had limitless capabilities or whatever? And mm -hmm. uh, essentially all we can think of is that, well, we would travel out in the space. We would explore other places. We would make established, you know, more colonies. We would build things. And then we would just do that again. We would go explore more places and just build things. So basically all we would do is explore and build. We wouldn't really get a whole lot done other than that. So if that's all that we're ever really going to do you know shouldn't we have some fun along the way shouldn't we be nice to each other shouldn't we enjoy the process mm. uh, maybe it's oversimplifying it but no uh so you're not coming at this from like a communist or socialist point of view but a you truly no. a utopian point of view of hey we have the means we just have to have our minds and hearts set on it to live Absolutely. a certain way Absolutely. As a matter of fact, all the labels, all that is, is the distraction. All it is, is a means to make people fight because you see all these labels flying around, but what's one thing that never changes? Mm. Corporate profit. It doesn't mm. matter what happens, or how mad we are, or whatever law they just passed, because the corporate profits never take a dip. And that's what's really going on. Everybody wants to look at these laws and everything, and they're all 400 pages long, 800 pages long, and nobody's ever read any of them. Because there hasn't been a bill of, or piece of legislation that's went across the table in probably close to 100 years that wasn't done so specifically so it could be riddled with corporate loopholes. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee, and if we look at that uh, one graph that shows uh, the internal the, the revenue income for the United States, wherever the corporate taxes start to level off and the uh, individual income taxes keep ramping up it's on that graph as you watch that divide get bigger and bigger and bigger i guarantee you can go back to every one of those years and look at the legislature and find them all littered with corporate loopholes every single one of them and it's because our country has not been grown and governed by we the people but by those the wealthy it's we the very boardroom. apparent to everybody Yes, it's very apparent to everybody in, in the United States and in the world at this point that, you know, we have not been in control of our country. It was taken over by the wealthy a long time ago. They've uh, manipulated everything in their favor to turn us all into, you know, penny pawns for their. When do you think machine. it began? When do I think it began? Yeah, that's a good question, because everybody wants to debate the Constitution and all the laws and when and where what happened in the United States and it none of it has anything to do with anything. This this scheme started before the holy wars as far as I can see and the hundred years wars because it was always the same thing. Use religion and propaganda to go into a territory and 
even though the religion and the propaganda or whatever, oh, they're heathens or this, that, and the other, we have to secure God's land. What was the end product? They stole the land and the resources. And every single, every single one of the conflicts, even to this day, everything that happens, what's the end product? The land and the resources. Even this Ukraine uh, episode, what happened? Blow this pipeline, cut Russia off. Now what? Uh, big oil gets to sell their right, stolen like resources yeah, over yeah. to Europe. Yeah. So, so once again, all of it is fun. But if this is 2023 and we're still debating voters' rights, women's rights, all these simple things that should have been done a thousand years ago, guess what? I don't have any faith that that argument is going to end in the next thousand years. So right. we need to get we need to get to something, you know, to to, to a different paradigm shift. And that's that what you're get? that's what you're all about. You're again, you're yes. thinking big. So any thoughts you have uh, so far that you want to wrap up for me or do you want me to go to my my next question? So where were we? Uh, I don't know. Where were we? Were, hemp, were we on about... hemp dreaming big corporate interests? I think we were just kind of winging it on some more ideological aspects of just, you know, the the bigger picture. Um, But that's fine. We can jump into whatever whatever we get next. Okay. Yeah. Well, really, it's just going through your your platform. So tell me about the minimal, excuse me, mineral rights. Yeah, that's a good uh, segue there because we were just tapping on that. So essentially, just like I talked about how everything has been just, you know, uh, the wealthy or influential people using their influence to, you know, skew uh, religion and propaganda to create circumstances where they, you know, continue to get uh, greater and greater wealth. Well, let me get to a little more fundamental point of this. It's basically if anybody's exploring, let's say you're just you and your family are a ship in the ocean and you're looking for a place to, you know, to, to make to make home. Uh, you, if you land it on a desert island, on a you know, you're not going to be like, oh wow, this is great. It's a desert island. There's nothing here. Uh, you want to land on an island with some resources on it, right? Some fresh water, maybe some some gems or you know, precious stones, metals, and things like that, uh, so you can start bartering and trading and do what you need to do. Uh, so essentially, the wealth, all of the wealth in the world, comes from the resources. Okay. Uh, and there's a little equation that I like to throw up is that uh, resources equals wealth equals power equals freedom. If you don't have, you know, wow. the resources uh, to have the wealth, to have the power, uh, you know, to be free, you're not going to be free. Um, so it's pretty simple. And that's all it is. That's what we need to focus on. We don't need to focus on the labels. We need to focus on, you know, where the money comes from and where it's going. And it all comes from the earth and it all goes into the wealthy people who put themselves in position to take it. Um, so the mineral and data rights basically takes the meter off of humanity and puts it on the people who take all the wealth. Like I said, uh, you know, Shell and Exxon or BP, any of them who take a lease, when they go put that hole in the ground, they're allowed to take as much as will come out of it. Um, is there any meet, uh, pipe or wire coming into your home that does not have a meter on it? 
Right. Is there any place that you can go that you can get things for free and then use them to make a profit? Well, wouldn't they would say, Hey, but we're the ones doing it. And that's, that's how the world works. You know, profit is the motivator. So to, so to say, right. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm a carpenter in that, in that respect, I could just walk into home Depot and take all the materials I want because I'm the one that's going to do the work and I'm the one transporting it in my truck and everything else. You know what I mean? So I could just go into Home Depot and take all the building materials I want and then go to somebody's house. And, you know, let's say I'm going to pay somebody and I'm going to sell them the job. I'm going to make them pay for the materials, even though I got them free. And I'm going to have a, a little operation, you know, that is for total profit. You know, I don't pay for anything. Hmm. Uh, it's all, yeah, I, it's, you know, I don't, I'd have to think more about that. I don't know if it's a perfect analogy, but it's fair enough. Yeah, and it's and, not, and no, but, it's but your perfect. point remains, your point remains that natural resources, there's something inherently different, innately common shared about them in natural resources. It's, they're not, you know, they belong to all of us is what you're saying. I'll tell you this, you can go on Netflix or anywhere where documentaries are available and you can find dozens of documentaries of these corporations or countries going into places like they're in Jamaica right now, taking all the ore out of this. Uh, and it's not just that, that they're stealing it from the country because they, because people, you know, just like you almost fell to the defense of these people. Um, they, they're not, not even up in arms about that. They're only up in arms because they went into some land that's considered uh, sacred. So now they're destroying the sacred land in Jamaica. Well, they should be mad about them taking all the the the, the, the resources. Yeah. Because those yeah, because mm -hmm. yes, the wealth. Because those corporations are making billions off of that. And look at the people in Jamaica. How are they doing? Right. Not you know, very good. Now you've got me a little angry. Good job. You did it. No. Who are these people to take my yet, resources, so. our resources? Well, let's let me give you another uh, another angle from this whole thing because uh, I don't think everybody would have been convinced just yet, even though you're kind of getting the bigger picture, but let's, right. let's look at it like this. Let's say that all the, you know, billionaires on the planet right now decided, Hey, let's ramp up all of our equipment and all of our, all of our, you know, resources to do things, all their equipment and everything. And let's just take, Let's bottom out every mine on the planet right now, like in the next 20 or 30 years. Let's take all of the resources up and, uh, you know, and put them into our stockpiles so that we can use them to make our products and stuff on into the future. OK, mm -hmm. so let's imagine that that has happened, that all the resources have been taken and put in the stockpiles for the wealthy and they're able to use them to make their wow. products and sell to us. We work to make now that already doesn't sound fair to us. But what about the next generation of people? Or what about in six or seven generations of people from now, after we've already taken all the resources, there's nothing else for anybody to take. It's essentially we've robbed the entire wealth of the planet for every human that might ever exist. And mm -hmm. how does that doesn't pay out generationally? So to to level the playing field of the, you know, the whole wealth game on the planet would be to establish mineral rights for citizens. Uh <clears throat> And anytime they put a pipe in the ground, basically, or a quarry on the ground, you know, it's metered. Their collection is metered, and then they have to pay for that. Now, this is, I'm not talking about a billionaire tax. I'm not talking about changing the tax structure at this point. 
I'm specifically just talking about making them pay for what they take. We're still going to talk about taxes after this and everything else, but this is a, a completely different aspect that they need to be paying for what they take. Everybody has to pay for what they take except for these people. There's no excuse. Fair enough. I'm ready to go fight for you, literally. Um, But you know what? Don't let me sell that generational wealth short, though, because let's say that we had the meters in place and they took all this wealth out of the ground today, but they had to pay to the citizens, you know, a particular amount for whatever, um, for whatever rate they had to pay that to the families of the people or the citizens of those countries right now. Okay, so let's say they bottomed out all our mines in the United States, but everybody got a big check that they're going to be able to use to grow their family and their legacies and their properties. At least there was that generational wealth, you know, uh, transfer, if you will, yeah, or or yeah, sharing yeah. or or whatever you want to call it, reimbursement. Yeah, I'll say not getting ripped off. Reimbursement. Yeah, so that's what I call it is a national inheritance compensation. NIC, it's an alternative to UBI. UBI says I'm a subject of the state and I require their assistance. NIC says I am an owner and I receive my fair share of the pie. There's a huge, huge difference in that fundamentally and also uh, generational. I like that. It's interesting. And it's interesting that you think that matters psychologically. Oh, man, if you knew the things that I think that matter, it would be out of this world but we don't have to go off in the left fair field. enough I, actually, <laughs> i'm getting I'll, a flavor drop, for it i'll drop a dime on it right now um just so you can kind of see where i'm coming from okay so i was just exploring the uh, just planetary evolution things like that because i'm really in astrophysics um so uh, planetary evolution and it's everything happens for a reason as far as i can see in nature and everything in the universe and i was like uh, once the earth created its magnetosphere and atmosphere it began blocking a lot of the energy that it was getting from the sun because we look at it as radiation and everything but that was energy that the planet was absorbing uh you know at, at, at some rate so whenever its magnetosphere and atmosphere was created it started blocking uh, the majority of that energy so i was like well how did it recoup or how did it uh you know absorb the energy after that uh so then it, the next thing that happened was it began to grow plants so then the plants began to synthesize the energy from the light and you know and die and decompose whatever and turn into crude oil and put all lock all that energy into these deposits into the soil and i've been called a madman for this because they were like we already know how the earth works and stuff here, but we really don't we make new discoveries every day but i'm assuming on that line of thought that uh the tectonic you know plate movements and activity uh where they crash each other and shove one of them down that that will push it down to where the magna flows are and those crude oil deposits that could be responsible for uh refueling those magna flows which would keep the core of our earth turning longer and longer uh into and i'm talking millions of years into the future um you know as a replacement from the original the bombardment of energy they received from the sun. So in a sense, if we're pumping all that oil out of the ground right now, which is like the lifeblood of the planet uh, and just burning it, putting it into the air, uh, we could be taking millions of years off of the earth's life cycle and not even knowing. It. Now I'm not saying that that's true, but you will have just as hard a problem uh, 
you know, proving that false as you would trying to prove it true is all I'm saying. We don't know it's not right, but we don't think like that. And that's why we haven't, you know, uh, done the research in in those areas. But I guarantee if we do, we're going to figure out things that we might, you know, we're going to feel stupid about. Right. Really stupid. Yeah, really, really. Right. Because imagine if we did just go long term with what I'm talking about. The recklessness. Can you imagine the recklessness? So now you're now you're actually now you're actually having an effect on me because we think and I'm studying for the bar exam. So words like negligence, recklessness, you know, whatever the intent states of mind, and on a planetary scale, to now, but doesn't you know what about guys like Vivek Ramaswamy who you who are very smart, right? And you hear saying humans need fossil fuels. Do we need to be burning fossil fuels? No, 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 no. We never need to be burning fossil fuels. I mean, if we're going to, I'll jump all the way down the rabbit hole and I don't expect this to, to disqualify me as a candidate. Cause one, I'm, I might be a little crazier than the next guy, but I'm <laughs> definitely not going to make it to the white house and then suggest that we put alligators and snakes in the Rio Grande. You get what I'm saying? Right. We've already had it. We've <laughs> already had we've already had the far end of the spectrum in there and I'm not on that end. So I might not be the, the least craziest person you want to talk about, but I'm definitely not going to be that a little crazy is good. Uh, actually. I think a little crazy is good. And you know, it gets us outside of the box and that's where we need to be because the box is completely contaminated at this point. And all right. So take me down the rabbit hole, Alice. Um, where was I with that? You're about to take me down the rabbit hole about oil. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, well, we're talking hey, there about is energy. a little background. Is there, if there's, I don't know if there's a little sound you can get away from or not that I'm hearing, but no big deal if you can't. Bird. Ah, no sweat. I figured it's it might the birds. be the birds. All right, fuck it. We can deal with the bird. Go on, please. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, we have these pyramids all over the planet with that we can't duplicate, and then you see these foundations of them where they're made with these rocks of all these different shapes, but they all fit together, you know, that you can't even slide a piece of paper or a credit card between them. They're just so tightly fit. And then you find this more crude construction on top of it. And then even again, just rocks stacked on top of it. It gets even more crude as it goes up. Uh, um, so it's like talking about our construction, how it's all just sticks and rocks yet. I mean, we're not a sophisticated species. If we are, we're not, we're not performing at the pinnacle of our capabilities which is actually what my campaign wants us to do. Um, but essentially, obviously, there was something going on this planet, uh, you know, that isn't talked about in our taught histories or anything like that. So there's some... Uh, That's why I asked you the first question I did about aliens. Um, well, I, I absolutely believe that they're here. I don't know that they're aliens or if they're just ancient <laughs> uses that right. left the Earth because of, you know, whatever cataclysms whatever whatever reason and then you know they hadn't made back with the space travel they might be gone for six months but they come back and it's twenty thousand years later or something like that you know whatever the case is i'm not dismissing anything uh you know if i don't have the evidence to prove it i don't have the evidence to disprove it and i'm not the type of person that's going to draw lines uh just for comfort's sake mm-hmm. you know god bless a lot man. of people need to, a lot of people right. need that right i i, I need the truth right. That's mm, all. Mm. That's all I can, you know, yeah. live for. Oh, and that's, uh, that's poignant, brother. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I what that. else are we doing? 
I'm with you. I'm with you. And my that's why I'm <laughs> losing my mind a little bit. It's like, wait a minute. Are we talking about yeah. time traveling humans and slash maybe alien? I mean, holy mother f- fuck. Well, here's my deal. And a lot of people think about aliens and they're like, oh, they've traveled billions of years through the stars and this and that. I'm like, listen, if we have the technology to build travel billions of, stars, uh, billions of years through the stars, uh, we'll also have the technology to just rip through the next dimension and things like that. So as fast as these things, as we are thinking these things are just zipping through the stars, I can see them ripping through a uh, dimensional fabric. It doesn't. It doesn't seem outside the scope. What do you what, tell me? What you mean a little more about dimensions and uh, as opposed <clears throat> to intergalactic travel, dimensional travel? What do you mean? Uh, do you think, the dimensions me? will be like the frequency. Like if you're on a radio station and you, uh, you know, you're listening to a rap station, you're hearing all your rap music. You, you dial over to a country station. It's essentially that in in the universe or the multiverse or, you know, the multidimensional construct or however you want to look at it. Uh, the multi, multi, multi universal would be, there's different radios. The dimensions would be all the different radio stations on each radio. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so even each universe would have its a slew of uh, different dimensions. And there's some reports of people having crossed over these, uh, you know, crossed through this fabric and found themselves in worlds that were very similar to this one, but not exact. And I'm not discrediting those people any more than I, you know, uh, give anything fair speculation, you know? So I keep an open mind about all of it. It's extraordinary. And I think the best thing to do when you're keeping an open mind about everything is to remember that everything is subject to interpretation, not just the interpretation of, the person interpreting whatever it is they're they're researching but also the way that you're interpreting that person you know uh so there's several stages of interpretation where things could just get completely lost and you just have to keep that in mind that they may not be accurately conveying what they want to convey just for their lack of ability or capabilities and you may not be picking it up properly because of your lack of abilities or, or knowledge or anything. So you just have to keep an open mind and search for the possibilities rather right. than drawing lines and cutting everything off. Be like, no, that can't happen because of this. So that can't happen because of this. Check your assumptions. Uh, yeah. All of them. I mean, mm. we don't have, we don't have any, uh, anything that's like a hundred percent, like none of our, our sacred uh, or true. Or yeah, no. all of our uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Beliefs. Anyway, like I don't think that we even know uh, the speed of light to a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Right. It's all like of our knowledge. Everything yeah. is not, all of our. Yeah, you would think are, you would think our knowledge is imperfect. Right. Yeah. The, everything. Yeah. At best, it could is even maybe ninety nine percent correct. It still right. means that it's not a hundred percent. Still means there's room for what we don't know is probably much greater than what we know. Absolutely. Uh, mm. What do they say? And that's the, scary. Uh, is that scary or is that exciting yeah. or both? It's the the beach of ignorance around the island of knowledge. The bigger the island gets, the more you know. The bigger that beach around it gets, the the beach of ignorance gets oh. only gets bigger the more you learn. Yeah, wow. I think Neil Tyson said like. Really, um, I've never heard that. But anyway, great. Yeah, yeah, something like that. The island of knowledge, uh, or the. the I was supposed to see him uh, give a talk during COVID, but COVID, uh, COVID happened, and it got canceled. Uh, I was disappointed, but 
Yeah, he's yeah. pretty cool. Well, I didn't mean to jump down the rabbit hole there, but I'm just trying to – I wanted to go ahead and play into it because I'm I'm an open book. Also, well, hold on. Wait, let me just I'm refresh. What was okay. – the, the rabbit hole there was what? That we might be having time-traveling humans and stuff? No. The rabbit hole there that we didn't really get to was just that there was a – I believe that there was a type 1 civilization on this planet before our recorded history, and that's where the pyramids really came from. And those pyramids are a part of an energy system, not only to produce – free energy for everybody on the planet, but also tied into uh, systems like electroculture and things like that, where you use electricity in the soil to boost your, your plants growth and things like that. So they were growing these uh, abundant gardens and all of these other things because they were utilizing the phenomena, you know, the natural phenomenon to accentuate their society. Whereas we try to synthesize everything rather than just accentuating the natural, uh, thing that already exists uh like tesla said everything is frequency and it obviously is you know i could have been a caveman trying to make a fire and watch the dirt dauber pick up a, a piece of dirt and then go land and have you ever watched a dirt dauber make his nest he starts no. vibrating as he vibrates his wings and vibrates his body so much that the the piece of dirt in his hand which is just a dry little ball of dirt turns to putty and then he can shape it in any way he wants it's not mud. They don't pick it up wet and then form it into a brick on their right, thing. Right, no, they right. use vibration right. to to turn this into putty, and then they just build with it. Now we could absolutely be doing the same thing. Uh, you know, they're saying that frequency, the vibrations, was how they uh, levitated the the megalithic, you know, columns and things to build the pyramids and all those structures. Mm. Uh, there's research that just came out that they melted cancer cells with harmonic resonance. And harmonic resonance, there's this thing called the 11th octave or something like that. Anyway, uh, you basically find the frequency of something because everything has its own frequency. And they found the frequency of this cancer cell. And then they they blast that frequency at it. But then they also blast uh, exactly 11 times that frequency at it. So there's two frequencies. They blast at it and the cancer cell just melts away. And they did it on the, you can watch it in the, in the, uh, microscope so so, so hold on the, the pyramids you think yeah. the pyramids were likely globally tied together electric system yeah electric system. but it was more than that because things were multifaceted they didn't just have one function like it was a part of a, a spirituality thing and all this other things and even it might have been part of a, a, like a teleportation system because it was basically utilizing the energy of the earth and from that point they could do all kinds of things that we can't really imagine because we're not thinking of it in that in that in that fashion we're just thinking of digging the stuff up and burning it to you know uh basically what makes you think because everything you, you sound you don't sound crazy at all so i want to ask you what makes you think let me ask you two specific questions one, what kind of electrical output like do you think they were getting from these pyramids in these daily lives of these people, do you think? And two, what makes you think teleportation was on the table? Everything was on the table. Uh, like I said, I, I live in a, a limitless universe. Uh, I don't I don't let I, I see that the problem with most people is that when they get their knowledge, they use it as kind of as a personality crutch or as a self-worth crutch or as a as a crutch 
for coping with existence altogether. Uh, and then they take that knowledge and they create walls around themselves. And they're like, okay, I know this, so nothing can exist beyond that. So once right. they've set up all their little knowledge walls around them, they're in their little bubble and their little box. And then that's all that can ever happen or exist. Just like mm -hmm. the guy got mad at me for, uh, you know, for hypothesizing that oil is the life's, you know, uh, is the earth's lifeblood. And then mm -hmm. it will, you know, those, those cycles of pushing that crude oil down to refuel the magna flows would keep this planet alive for millions of years longer. And it would be like, no, the, you know, the mantle is an inert shell. Nothing can get in or out of it. And all this other, I was like, man, we don't know that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all our research thus far is flawed or limited to the technology that we had if it wasn't skewed for special interests anyway. So mm -hmm. we really need to objectively look at everything. And if we're not, then it's really just a, a, a form you know. of denial for comfort. That's all it is. Right, comfort. Right denial but anyway the uh yes i do believe that there was a type one civilization on this planet before us uh it doesn't really have to do with what's going on so far except that you know everybody wants to argue about energy and i say that energy is everywhere and it's easily exploitable the hard part about our energy systems is metering it to every individual that's what's hard about it Otherwise, if we really wanted to just exploit energy and make it free for everybody, we could do it in a heartbeat. No problem. Do you think we will soon? Do I think we will soon? No. I think we're due for a major revolution. And this is a pattern in history uh, that we have to break. And that is what I believe is the task at hand for humanity right now. So everybody talks about we need these things to change, but we're never going to get the control without a violent revolution. And if you look at and then everybody talks about history is doomed to repeat itself. If you look at the uh, cycles of revolution, it goes expansion, boom. Then there's a recession and a depression, which leads to another expansion, a boom, a recession, depression, expansion, boom. And just over and over again, that's the cycle. Um, what I'm proposing is a peaceful innovative revolution so we're at the top of that or we've reached the top of that boom and we're actually falling down into the recession portion right now we haven't really gotten down into it but uh, we're, we're we're about to but we have an opportunity right now we're at a crossroads if we just put all our all our nonsense aside and come together and utilize the pinnacle of our capabilities uh we can avoid the recession and the depression and actually you know catapult ourselves into the future by breaking that historical pattern and the way to do it is to avoid violence that's all we have to do is not get violent <clears throat> because people are waking up every day and all we need is more and more people to wake up so that we can unify on at least one you know point uh you know to make progress and that's why i made this it wasn't it wasn't just, hey, I want to run for president. What I want to do is I wanted to make an example. One, what are we absolutely capable of? Let's set the bar as high as possible rather than yeah. coming in. Well, hey, what's the least we can get done this these four years? Let's at least get voters. Well, hey, I just want health care. Is that right? No, let's set the bar as high as possible and get as much of that as po done as possible. 
I figured if I made this campaign and people would embrace it, if at least the other candidates were made to compete with it, we will have fast forwarded American politics at least that much. So mm-hmm. this has the this has the potential, you know, to either be, you know, historically monumental or even, you know, just uh, great. Know, considerably. Yeah. In fact, considerably right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way I designed it. Um, and yep. honestly, I really had hoped that more people would have em- embraced it by now. Uh, but you know how people are. People are programmed to be self-defeated and find the crack that's going to make it break rather than approaching it, the crack with, you know, the stuff to patch it up. Be like, hey, you know, we might find areas in this problem. Let's let's think about ways to, you know, make sure we're going to be able to bridge that gap. No, they'll be like, no, we're going to get to this and that's the end of it. It'll never work. Uh, you know, because that's pretty much the attitude you get right now. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't I be discouraged. It. I wouldn't be discouraged at all. No, I'm uh, not discouraged. I know you're uh, not it, because a person couldn't create a document like this if they were susceptible to being discouraged. But I'm just kind of saying that because, man, let me just round out in your document. We will also establish <laughs> mineral and data rights. We didn't even talk about data and electronics. Man, that's a whole nother whole. Why don't you give me a couple? Part. Why don't you give me a minute or two on that? Because it's really yeah, important. Go ahead. Right now? Yeah. You want me to run with it? Run with okay. it, brother. Mineral and data, or excuse me, uh, now we're talking about data. Electronics and, and data. Yeah. Electronic, electronic user rights. Uh, the majority of anybody even thinking about it are only thinking about data rights. They're not even talking about electronic user rights, which is the biggest travesty because you're talking about a digital replication of yourself in a digital world that has no fucking rights. They're completely exploitable. You know what I mean? They're able to slave you out in any way and fashion mm-hmm. possible. And you're like, I don't get slaved out on the internet. Okay, think about this. Every single one of us are essentially beta testers because that's all they do is collect the data and re-up it off of what we, how we use their uh, their products. So all already we're the beta testers and we're not paid for that. And people are willing to accept it. Well, we have to if we want the product to work. Well, I don't think so. I mean, we should all be compensated to our true value there shouldn't be any allowances because uh they're not giving us any allowances if you're late on a bill or something do you get an allowance oh don't worry but no there's a late fee that accompanies that um anyway so electronic user rights you're using your equipment all of the code that they have to write for data collection everything else is also stored in your device and it also takes the energy from your device it depreciates your device it takes your time to do all that even if it all even if it happens in a matter of seconds it happens thousands of times a day or millions of times a year. It adds up and it takes off your time and your equipment uh, altogether. Also, the data is produced off of uh, essentially what would otherwise be considered your intellectual property because it's it's you. It's how you're thinking. It's how your brain is working. You know, um, they wouldn't be able to take AI and mimic an actor without giving an actor you know, compensation for using their image. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're using the image of your internal brain workings for their profit. And there's nothing that's not, you know, slavery about that. They're making a profit Hmm. off your effort and you don't get any of that. That's slavery. Okay. Solid. Essentially. uh, So uh, essentially you're going to get electronic user rights um which is the electronic user rights is more like a 
a civil rights thing in the in the digital world. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the money, except that it also enables the additional compensation through user through user participation. So if you're participating in all these other things, or let's say even if you're homeless, but you have a phone, you could be sitting on the bridge doing surveys or viewing extra ads and things like that and be accumulating, even if it's cents, even if you know it's compensation in a digital currency or anything like that, something that you can use uh you know to to better your life or purchase goods and things like that uh, to provide for yourself <clears throat> so that's kind of a nutshell on the electronic user rights mm -hmm. and the data rights is really more of the monetary side and a lot of people jump off the bridge on that one they're like well i don't want the government having all my data i'm like man they pretty much have it all already anyway i was like the patriot act enabled them to do whatever they want they could literally come into your house while you're not home and go through all your stuff and leave and never even tell you that they came. It's called a sneak and peek. <clears throat> and it is in the uh, Patriot Act. So there's, we don't even need to talk about that, but actually this will be a move towards securing our, our data so that it isn't just frivolously abused and exploited like it is. Um, so basically we'd make a metering system put into every device that, you know, meters, uh, and tracks the the data collection. And then that would be taxed, just like we're talking about the mineral rights. Every time they have a quarry in the ground, we're gonna meter whatever they take out of it. Well, that their data collection is a quarry in the, you know, in the in the uh, in the digital world. So they're mining that uh, that data to profit off of and they should pay taxes on that. So Huh. essentially the data rights is really just mineral rights for the digital world <clears throat> and what i was thinking sense. we would do yeah i was thinking what we do with that right off the bat because all of these things are going to be new and we can't just fully implement uh you know a, a matured evolved idea right out of the gate so we really have to have a starting point so my starting point with even with the mineral and the data rights is we'll tax the collection of the data and tax the mineral collection and use all of that uh, to begin our infrastructure upgrades and catching up on social safety nets and putting, you know, permanent safety nets in place, uh, you know, permanent reasonable safety nets in place. Hmm. So that would just get us down the road for, uh, you know, uh, bias time, Medi Medicare for all. I mean, yeah, it would get it. It would get the ball rolling but it would immediately pay for all these other things. Now, what we want to get to is that NIC, the National Inheritance Compensation, where we're actually paying out dividends to uh, owners or to, to citizens. And we didn't get into that, but um, I want to change our term from citizens to owners. We can talk about that in a minute. But anyway, um, so we really want to get to a point to where we're paying dividends, where they're getting actual money in their bank accounts for these people taking the wealth of right. our uh, of the nation but we can't like i said we're not going to be able to do that right out of the gate so all the collection all the money as we see how it pans out up front we're just going to use it to pay for medicare for all uh you know education and things like that all the social safety nets that have deficits right now we'll be able to easily just you know max all of those out no problem so imagine an intelligent conservative saying look it sounds great but is 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 reality going to stop this from happening 
Is there any market force reason or is there any reason not to go for it? Well, that's, you know, there's always going to be a reason. We're always going to find a crack. And that's what I was saying earlier. Are you looking for the crack so you can break it down? Or are you looking for the crack so we can bridge it? And that's all I want to know about the person asking the mm, question. Because are, are they great. are they really are they really just trying to to halt progress or are they trying to make it the best it can be? Right. Uh, because right now all we have is halted progress. They bring up as much, you know, uh, you know, objections as they want, but they never talk about bridging the gaps where how about we find a different route right here now i guess the they would be, be like, i guess they would be before. concerned about like concentrations of power and property rights being undermined but right well know. check this out if you own a piece of property and shell owns a big piece of property next to you you don't know that that lake of crude oil isn't just a little pond on their end and the lake of it is under your property but they get to drill in and tap into that thing and drain the whole thing. So how do you know they're not taking it from underneath your property? You don't. See, all of it falls apart when you start looking at it from their angle rather than looking at or looking at it from our angle rather than looking at it from their angle. Because right. they've been in place putting all the propaganda and all the excuses in their favor this whole time. But once again, if you just get down to it and be like, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. That's why I talk about. Uh, that all the laws of the United States don't matter because this is something, this is a cycle that started back in the Holy Wars or in the Hundred Years Wars. It's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, tie that in again for that. me. It's a propaganda in order to take control of the resources. Right. They use religion right. and propaganda right. to, to, uh, to invade mm -hmm. the land and exploit the resources. And so you're saying that, then, you're saying that, if I could, you're saying that Hey, the American experiment, which may have been noble, or may have been, may have had a noble component. Ultimately, it had a has... noble label on it. It had mm. a noble label on it, but what was in the package was nothing that we were talking about. And let me just go just, ahead. Take your, just, take your uh, final. Just a, just a shot in the dark. Yeah. The image that you were given of the American dream when you were a kid, compared to what you have now, tell me how how close they are to being the same well you know i live three thousand miles away different coast very different time very different time but i grew up in a nice suburban community with saying the pledge of allegiance every day you know loving thanksgiving so it's definitely a different time yeah well it's yeah. looking a little more like the freedoms and uh and everything uh, and liberty and justice for all and all of that um like innocent until until proven guilty you know like all those little whimsical things that were sold as we're growing up but then right. you get like there's no innocent until proven guilty if a cop has a reason to think anything bad about you they can detain you take you to jail make up any charges they want uh if you're poor it'd be hard for you to defend yourself uh we have people that are uh taking plea bargains for crimes that they didn't commit just because they can't afford to stay in court. And this is how we prosecute people now. now we right. prosecute people with slap style lawsuits. Yep. So I would, I let mean, me I, say for the audience, you want to eliminate the income tax because we're running out of time here. Income, okay. eliminate property tax. And you want to, let's see, forgive all nonviolent crime. So the, the big thinking oh, extends yeah. to all sectors of society. This is a revolution, a positive revolution that you're advocating for.
Final thoughts. Yeah, so that, um, the you have 10, data 20 seconds. Also, the data and mineral rights will help us eliminate the tax, the taxes also. But we're just talking about basically just cutting out all the malarkey and moving at the pinnacle of allocation. 